Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not the same old thing. Different, different. This is NOCO FM. and welcome to another edition of Corbin versus the World. I am your hero, Corbin David Albaugh, here to bring you the greatest tunes of yesterday, today, and tomorrow on this, our Independence Weekend 4th of July show. And I'm going to celebrate and show my patriotism by revealing that I have taped fireworks underneath all of your chairs, those of you who are listening at home in your cars. And if you cannot find them right now, then that means the little kids got to them first. God damn those little kids. It's been an extraordinarily hot week this past week. Pretty much everywhere, it's been boiling hot, and it seems to be boiling over into everyone's interpersonal shit. There's been so much fighting and beefing and and tensions boiling over across politics, across entertainment, music, all sorts of things, and I cannot wait to dive into that buffet table smorgasbord of rage. But before I do that... Uh, I need to touch on the other round of Democratic debates that happened last week because I did not pay them any heed, uh, mainly because I hadn't seen them up to that point. Quantum mechanics will do that to you. But uh, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about the last round of debates and kind of what I observed. So first of all, the biggest difference, I think, between debate one and debate two is that debate one felt very much, and I'm talking about uh, the Elizabeth Warren, you know, Cory Booker, Julian Castro, that whole kind of, we'll call it the lower, the B team showcase, as it were. During that time, it felt like a big kind of commercial for what the Democratic policies, what what the campaign platforms are going to look like by and large in broad strokes going into the 2020 election. Uh, so in terms of just being like a kind of crash course into what do the Democrats stand for, that's what I thought that the first debate really excelled at. The second debate excelled at being a badass cage match. And so I was super entertained watching that one as well. That had so many great elements to it. Uh, obviously, you had, you know, Joe Biden desperately clinging to relevance, Bernie Sanders desperately clinging to relevance, all these hungry candidates trying to tear them apart. Eric Swalwell is doing like squats and reps on like his side of the stage. Marion Williamson is channeling the blue fair and on peyote on the other side of the stage. It was just, it was great all around. And I think the only thing that was missing, as I said in last week's show, was an angry New Yorker. So if we can get Bill de Blasio or shit, let's just get Rudy Giuliani in there. I know he's not doing anything other than being senile and weird and corpsey looking. So let's just bring him in for the next round of Democratic debates, if anything else, than to act as a straw man that we can all throw poo at. But speaking of throwing poo, let's spend a little bit more time talking about Bernie and Biden, shall we? And before I do that, I want to talk about pro wrestling. Now, bear with me for a second, because I promise you there will be a point. Please allow me time while I drink my coffee before I go into this. Very good. So, a few weeks ago, the WWE put on a huge showcase show in Saudi Arabia. And at this show, basically what happens is the Saudi government gives the WWE like $5 billion per show 
to basically act out everything that the Saudi government or the royal family would like to see in a pro wrestling show. It's like, you know, if the ultimate pro wrestling mark got all of the money in the world and they were able to make all their dreams come true, that is the Saudi show. It just so happens that, you know, this happy-go-lucky kid might also be a murderous regime that kills journalists. But that aside, we're not going to dwell on that for now. The point is that at this particular event a few weeks ago, they requested a marquee matchup between The Undertaker and Goldberg, two of the biggest names in pro wrestling history. Now, history, that is the key word. These guys are now old as shit. This matchup, if it had been done in the 90s, would have been everything a pro wrestling fan would have wanted to see. Two of the biggest titans at the top of their physical and performative powers duking it out in the ring. Problem was that this matchup took place about 25 years after the fact where that would have been entertaining. And so basically what we saw was two very old men who have no business being in the ring together, embarrassing the shit out of themselves and nearly injuring themselves and ruining their legacy forever. And it was a terrible look for both combatants involved. And the reason why I bring this up in relation to the Democratic debates is because that is exactly what the fuck I witnessed when I watched that debate Uh, specifically the performances of Biden and Bernie. I think that we need to cart their asses off the stage and they need to make time for literally anyone else who's under the age of 70, I think, by this point. And this is especially hard for me. I was a huge Bernie stan, you know, three, four years ago, and it's really hard. It was really rough to see, you know, homeboy up there, you know, standing like, uh, you know, an old scarecrow throwing out, you know, pretty much the exact same stuff that he was saying in the 2016 election cycle, which obviously, you know, there's a lot of good stuff there, but there's been no evolution of rhetoric and the the lack of listening to the questioning and all of that. And the problem is with Bernie's place in this race, uh, he has a whole bunch of candidates that stand for what he stands for. They just have the bonus of not looking like the Crip Keeper. And that is, like it or not, a very, very important thing when it comes to politics. And so you're already seeing him tumble in the polls. And once he tumbles, I feel like there's not really any coming back from there. Because once people start seeing that there are other Democratic candidates, or rather there are other progressive candidates that they can throw their weight behind that won't necessarily die in the next 10 years, his appeal doesn't doesn't hold up as much as it did four years ago. And Biden, 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 holy God, what more needs to be said by this point? And... Honestly, it all tracks back to establishment Democratic Party hubris. Homeboy didn't do his homework before the debate. He got trounced by Kamala Harris for something that he absolutely should have known he was going to get reamed for on that debate stage, but he did not. He did not study. He took it for granted that he was going to waltz into this nomination, and that's just not a good look, and especially when you're running on the platform of I am the only candidate who can beat Donald Trump. When you look vulnerable on a debate stage, you know, next to a bunch of newbies, more or less, you know, when you look like a chump to all those people, that shit doesn't hold up very well. 
and so basically in broad strokes, what I'm saying is that the Democratic primaries are actually shifting into a contest now. Uh, which means my interest has been piqued that much more. I really didn't want to watch a coronation. I wanted to watch a knockdown, drag-out battle royale where the best candidate takes all, or at the very least, the most bloodthirsty candidate takes all, because that is what I want in my theater of blood and pain in American politics. That aside, that's my political diatribe. Hopefully, we won't have to dwell on that anymore for the following weeks unless there's been some big old to-do about whatever. But... In the meantime, let's listen to some tunes, shall we? This is the band Ohm and their song Icon. She ladled the conversation, skimming from the top. That damn helium balloon from last year still refuses to pop.
Radio is an exploration of the sights and sounds that make Colorado unique. From exclusive spotlight interviews with local musicians, artists, and creators, to curated playlists that showcase the diverse sound of the Colorado music scene, Colo Radio plugs you into the best that our home state has to offer. Listen to Colo Radio anytime on demand at noco.fm, the NoCo FM mobile app, or wherever you find your podcasts. Welcome back to Corbin versus the world. You just got done hearing Ohm and their song Icon. Next, we had Trudy and the Romance and their song Twist It, Shake It, Rock and Roll. And finally, we had the Divine Comedy and their song Absolutely Obsolete. So a couple months ago, I debuted a segment on this show called Where's the Beef? In which I asked truly madly deeply, where is the beef in our world? And I got my answer finally. All of the beef of 2019 was hiding in this particular week. I don't know if everyone was just practicing their deep breathing meditation or their Zen Buddhism or whatever the hell for the past six months and something about the temperature shift has caused everyone's chakras to go buck wild. I don't fucking know. All I know is that everyone's pissed off at everyone right now and it is awesome. So who's beefing right now? Jack White is beefing. Who's he beefing with? He's beefing with the music press. Why? Because a couple weeks ago, he gave an interview in the Irish Times all about his process in recording the latest Tours album, which is oh so very good. And he jokingly said that he took up heroin uh, in between album cycles. And the people writing the article uh, very helpfully made the headline, Jack White Does Heroin. And as you know, the print headlines don't really leave a lot of room 
for sarcasm and nuance. So Jack White uh, had some words for the various music presses across the world, besmirching them for their clickbait and all that stuff. And guys, can we not pick on Jack White? I get it. He's a goofy dude. He looks like an albino baby from a Tim Burton movie that's really good at playing guitar, and he may or may not type all of his stuff on a typewriter still. I know. I get it. He's easy to make fun of. But... He plays guitar so very well, and he was responsible for all those really good White Stripes albums and that Raconteurs album, which, as I stated previously, is dope as shit. So I think that we should all collectively lay off Jack White and, in general, stop seeking out clickbaity articles about people and saying that people have done heroin when we all know that they haven't. So who else is beefing? Slater Kinney is beefing, or at the very least, their drummer has left the band. Speculation, of course, has arisen uh, about Janet Weiss's decision to leave Slater Kinney, which obviously deals a huge blow to the band creatively and from a press standpoint because they are in the middle of their rollout for their latest album, The Center Won't Hold, uh, in which they have been in the studio with St. Vincent, which is notable because the last two tracks that have come out from those album sessions have sounded a lot like St. Vincent and not so much like the Slater Kinney that we all know and love. Some fans of the band had been speculating that they had been moving away from that initial sound and whether that was something that everyone in the band was in favor of. And clearly, uh, with the departure of their longtime drummer, that might, in fact, be the case. And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to, to dogpile or dunk by any means on the remaining members of Slater Kinney. Um, I think that it's a really difficult thing to try and evolve and maintain a signature sound over the course of, you know, three decades, which, you know, that's about how long Slater Kinney has been around now. And there's very few bands out there that can just keep trucking indefinitely by releasing the same type of album with the same sound over and over again. I think, you know, Spoon and The National are, you know, two bands off the top of my head who have been able to have that trajectory, but they're in a very unique position. You know, there are a lot of bands, you know, Interpol, Modest Mouse, The Stroke, so many bands from the 2000s that have kind of surrendered themselves to irrelevance or just to a lower strata of the cultural conversation because they weren't able to evolve their sound or get themselves out of that 2000 jet. Shit, even Bonnie Vare's stuff is starting to sound dated now. Have you heard his new tracks? It, it happens to everyone. And so, you know, when you're trying to evolve your sound when you've been around for that long, I certainly understand. And I am not about to, to dunk on Slater Kinney because their songs still slap. Absolutely. Who else is beefing? Taylor Swift is Beefing and oh my god, I don't give a shit about Taylor Swift. Here's tunes before I talk about that shit. This is Sacred Pause and their song, The Conversation.
Hey there, this is Charles with Talking World, Noko FM's bi-weekly D&D show where myself and three other players play Dungeons & Dragons. You can listen to Talking Roll every other Saturday night at 7pm first on Noko.fm or Sunday mornings wherever podcasts are found. Scotty, Sid, yeah. I want you guys to jump into your app and I want you guys to give the first insult that you have. You lily-livered grotty dunce. You taint-gargling sleazy boner waffle. You elfskin squealing hell spawn! You twat snorting drooling bukaki zombie! Vile <laughs> guts gripping joker! Dick slapping lubricated shark junkie! Deafening brainless clackdish! Twat groping racist shit weasel! You large unkempt cow! You flat polishing creepy pussy zipper! Glabby absurd. Welcome back to Corbin vs. the World and our two part Where's the Beef special. You just got done hearing the conversation by Sacred Paws, followed up by Slutface, and yep, that's how you say that band name, and their song Telepathetic. And finally, we had Daddy Issues by Pip Blom. So now that we're back, I will ask again, who's got beef? Emma Gonzalez, Parkland survivor and gun control advocate, is beefing with Madonna, of all people, because that is the Mad Libs universe we are living in in 2019. You see, a couple weeks ago, Madonna... Madonna came out with her new album called Madam X. It got number one on the Billboard charts. She wears an eye patch in it. I have not heard a single song on that album yet, full disclosure. But she did come out with a music video for one of her single tracks on there. The track is called God Control, and in the music video, it just so happens that Madonna might be recreating the events of the Pulse nightclub shooting that took place in Florida several years ago. And obviously, she has been coming under fire from a majority of groups, most vocally Emma Gonzalez, for her flippant use of such triggering imagery. And I, for one, am shocked shocked that Madonna, the person who had sex on a church altar in a 1980s music video, a woman who released a photo book in which she graphically had sex with Vanilla Ice in the 90s, I am shocked that Madonna, who kissed Britney Spears at the VMAs, I am shocked that Madonna did this shocking controversial thing very shocked indeed uh but seriously madonna like straight up you're you're like at share age of like elder stateswoman of pop music you really don't need to be doing madonna shit anymore like i you know like when you did the album cut with the eye patch and the frida kahlo and the black and white and like you know that was kind of cultural appropriation but it was still kind of like we were able to allow that but for shit's sake madge don't be recreating traumatic national tragedies in your music video you're not young enough for that now you can't defend that stuff you don't have the vitality for it you are gonna get run the fuck over by our media so bad call madonna bad call and now here's the point where i finally get to talk about the taylor swift I'm not, no, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna talk about the Taylor Swift shit. I'm done with Taylor Swift beefing with things. I don't care, Taylor. You got $500 million. I don't give a shit if someone has your masters. Go with Max Martin, record like five more stupid ass songs that'll blow up to like number two or three on the Billboard charts. I don't give a shit, okay? I don't care that rich people don't have more money or that they don't have their songs that they didn't even write themselves. I don't give a shit. 
I'm sorry. So that's what I have to say about the Taylor Swift beef. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then good. Keep living your life exactly as you were up to this point. Anyway, I'm done diatribing and yelling. Here's some more tunes. This is Anika and her song, Terry.
Mookie or Mark, if you prefer, host of a relatively new show on NoCo FM. It's called the Unsigned Sunday Radio Show. Yeah, we'll play some major label stuff from time to time, but the mission of the show is to highlight truly independent artists from all over the country. Alternative, Americana, Neo Soul, all new music each and every Sunday. 3 p.m. NoCo FM time, 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. on the East Coast. It's the Unsigned Sunday Radio Show. Welcome back to Corbin versus the World. You just got done hearing Anika and her song Terry. Next, we had Exploded View and their song Summer Came Early. And finally, we had Give Take by Porridge Radio. So I want to end this episode with a little bit of poptimism. I feel like I've been fairly negative this show, and I want to I want to lift us up a little bit with some good old fashioned poptimism in the form of everyone's favorite omnipresent person on the billboard charts, Mr. Lil Nas X, who I am in a, in a time where my heroes are either dying or being outed as sexual predators in mass numbers. 
it's really refreshing that new people are stepping into the realm of of Corbin worship like Lil Nas X has because this is a guy who was able to on the strength of a novelty country song cribbed from a Nine Inch Nails song on the strength of that he is currently sitting with one of the most dominating number one singles of all time He's one of the most successful musicians ever off of just one song. And he was able to parlay that one song into like two or three months of fame. And then he was able to get an album deal out of it. And then as soon as all of the music journalists decided that they were over Lil Nas X and they didn't want to pretend that his music was groundbreaking anymore and they started turning on him, he turns around and reveals that he's gay and forces everyone to talk about him some more. God damn. Damn it, Lil Nas X. You know exactly how to grift that system. And you know what? I will go and fight in the trenches and in the streets. The Lil Nas X album is not that bad. And in that light, I am going to play one of the tracks off the new Lil Nas X album. It is the one that sounds an awful lot like a 2000s angsty rock anthem. And we know that that is how you speak to my id and ego at the same time. So this show is dedicated to Lil Nas X and his ability to play the cultural fiddle oh so very well. This is his song, Family, You and Me. He puts a nine in the place of an A because he goes by the Denzel Curry spelling with numbers. That's what we be doing in 2019. This is Lil Nas X, Family, You and Me. Thank you for listening tonight to this episode of Corbin vs. the World. I will catch you next week, my friends. In the meantime, enjoy this meaningless pop. Appreciate ya.
think it's you. Hold on. How's business this morning? Pretty good. I made about 12, 13 quid, and that was about not having any arguments with anyone. That's pretty much a strike. If you don't get your head kicked in. Shoot the messenger, string them up. She's a 10 plus 10, not enough. Mixed messages, wise cross. Marry me, but you got too much. Toothbrush and socks. Parents minute in Mayfair, couple dogs. We go on walks. She never talks. I put my heart out, she laps up my blood. Blue light, double vision. Our races like super cars. Two drinks, the room spinning. Seventies, you're the ace of hearts. High society, cute kittens. Allergies, I don't like you enough. Block me on your private feast door. Your little mama, she can play with us. Nicotine, can't quit it.
This has been a production of NOCO FM.